You are listening to Menopod with Mary Kennedy and Sue Merlino. Hello. Hey, Mary. And we got Lola in the room with us. I know the puppy. Yeah, she Adorable. loves being in I here. was going to bring my dog, but I my know. dog. We'll have to figure out that we, some other time. I would like to find a doggy park for him. He's little. Hmm. There's mm-hmm. a little doggy park in Burbank. Maybe we do that. Just little could dogs. You bring, could you bring your dog or is she too big? No, no, she would fit in that little doggy park. I mean, it's huge, but <laughs> I meant like by size. It just it's all dirty. I'd like to find one that's not just dirt. It's you want grass. Yeah, or fake turf or whatever, you know. You know what he's doing right now? And I know we got to get into our topic, but I have to tell you what he's doing. He is like such a child because what's happening is anytime, like if I go get the mail, he'll come, he'll come out with me. We'll get the mail. I won't put him on a leash because I live in a cul-de-sac. He'll come out with me and he'll walk around for a second, sniff around, and then he'll go back in. And then he goes to his treat place. Oh. Because he thinks that he went, but he, he didn't do anything. He crossed the threshold. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, I crossed the, th- I went outside. I smelt the air. I'm now, I now get a treat. Come on, Mary. I do that too. What? <laughs> when you go out the dress. Okay. When I go pee outside and come back in. <laughs> yeah. I give you a treat. I get here's, a treat. here's your all organic. <laughs> with my broccoli. <laughs> I went outside. Your chicken broccoli stir fry yeah, uh, well, recipe. Yeah. He's, he's figured that out. Well, you know what Lola does? We put a bell. We trained her very early on to ring the bell when she wants to go outside. Mm-hmm. So we'll be sitting down at the dining room table eating and she'll go ring the bell. She rings a bell? Yeah. She oh. rings the bell on the back door and then we go get up and she passes us as we're going to get to the door and jumps up and eats our food on the dining room table. Oh my gosh. So she knows like how to get us out of our seats. How does she ring the bell? I have a, a cow bell hanging on a string and she just puts her nose on it. What a smart puppy. Well, I can train your dog to do that. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. Maybe yeah. we'll have dog training. Yeah, that's my other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. That's right. That's right. Um, so today's topic, everybody, uh, sometimes we take topics from Midlife Mood Swing, which is our uh, private Facebook page for ladies only. Uh, and basically, we talked, I just did this. Today's topic, if money was no object, what would be your dream job? And the reason that where this came from, everybody, is because um, I've been very lucky to be cast in a feature film as a lead, and uh, I'm living I'm living my best life. Thank you, <laughs> living my best life, as Oprah says. Uh, and that's that. I'm living my dream job. I I love what I do. I love being on set. I love working with other actors and directors and producers. And um, the name of the film is the Year of laughing dangerously and uh so i i just i i came up with this topic because when i'm on set i feel like in a lot of ways like i'm living my dream job now i get paid for this dream job but <laughs> i enjoy sometimes you know i i mean i but it wasn't always that way i mean you know when i was coming up i wasn't necessarily getting paid for everything i did so um for me my dream job honestly is to be on set all the time and I would think we're getting close to that. So, so what's your dream job, Sue? Hold on a second. Are you taking your your sweatshirt off? You have my Bruins. Flash? My Bruins. <laughs> no, it's just really hot in this house. <laughs> um, you know what's funny is certain jobs I enjoy being there, and and but I don't think I, I don't think there's one job. I like having many, many, many jobs, um, and I haven't found one that. 
All right. I don't know. It's hard. I, gosh, I have hard. I have hard times with your questions because I can't just give. <laughs> See, the truth comes out. I know they're 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 interesting. They, I've been thinking about this question since you posted it. When was that? A few, it was probably uh, two days ago. Yeah, yeah, it was when I was on because I was like, yeah. I probably started like, oh, this would be my dream job. Eh, not really, because then I thought about like, well, do I really want to be like? I always thought I want to work on radio. And here I am with a microphone in my face. Yeah, but, you're working in radio. Yeah, you're doing I mean, it. it's kind of like radio. It's recording. But I really, really you know what I loved so much doing is stage managing. When I worked in community theater back in Boston. Wow. I loved, loved, loved blocking and really? giving everyone Oh, I didn't know that. I need you to stage manage my show. I love I doing that. Do that. That is like my yeah. favorite ultimate. And I wish if I could come back, I would be a stage manager in, in like at a big theater in Boston or something. But... That's that's my ultimate favorite thing to do. But there's a lot of aspects of that that I get in other things, like organizing and and helping people move around. But but the other thing I really like, to, I love listening to people and uh, like hearing their stories. I love finding out about people and connecting with people and right. and helping people. And um, so I'm I, I I really felt like at one point in my life I just wanted to travel around with like a tape recorder and hear people's stories because I think it's interesting and everyone has a story, but I don't know if, how long that would last for. Like my ultimate dream would be to have an Airstream and just travel around the country <laughs> and just like have people jump in and tell me their story. So and that it, would be, that's a TV show. So it would be awesome. That yeah, would be like, we've copyrighted it. Okay, everybody yeah. don't steal it. But it's I, called the Airstream. Yeah. yeah. It's called the Airstream. It's called Sue in the Airstream. Streaming. Yeah, streaming. Oh, I like that. I, I would produce that show for you. Would you? Yeah. Would you buy me a $60,000 Airstream? Well, There's one right around the corner. Actually, it's down to 52000 now. But. <laughs> no, listen. I mean, I, I think that's a show. I think that would be really fun. It would be really fun because everyone has stories. And that's what this whole being on this planet together should be all about. And like we cast judgments so quickly on strangers, but like I, we said in a previous part, you don't know what what happened that day. They might have been diagnosed with cancer. Or their mother, right? You know, it's just, yeah, yeah. No, but I think that's great. I mean, listen, I, you know, I always I had the luxury of always knowing what I wanted to do. I always wanted to be an actor, and then when I doubted myself whether I had family members, my mom never because she was a musician, but. My family members going, well, when are you going to quit this hobby? Right. Right. I have to say the majority of my family is super supportive. My father did not get it. Like when I booked ER, he was like, is that good? But he was an insurance broker. He was an insurance broker who did really well. And the, and the thing to tell you is I get my business side from him and I get my performance side from my mother. My mother was a damn good businesswoman as well. But, um, well, back in those days, people went to a nine to five job. Like right. they, yeah. They that, didn't change professions like right. I do every other week. Yeah. yeah. Well, the fact that my mother started a band after her divorce That's amazing. is hilarious. That's amazing. Um, but uh, what was interesting, a lot of people on the page said no job. And that scares the hell out of me. Like if I was independent wealth, independently wealthy and all I did was sit home all day, I think I'd lose You wouldn't though. Mind. You would travel, wouldn't you? With a mask. With a mask. <laughs> the coronavirus. Is that what you're talking about? Well, you'd have your own airplane. Like... I don't know, but I, I don't... Be on the do. coast of France right now, I would love to be there. Or in <laughs> Indonesia, or Thailand, or Bora Bora. I or, don't know. But then I'm still... I'm just in another country not having a job. Like, I I, right. I, I can't imagine. I, that would be scary for me. Wherever I, I don't you go, I, there you are. Or you are who you are. I would be in my head, and yeah. I wouldn't have, like, a project to look forward to. So I'm very much about a project, working. project, yeah. I have to work. Um, 
So let's see. Uh, I'd volunteer for a living. I, that's something I would do too. I have to say that I have so enjoyed teaching special ed kids. Like mm-hmm. that to yeah, me is rewarding. I love teaching special ed kids. So for me, that is something that um, I could see myself. I could see my, like if I wasn't an actress, I could see myself getting my teaching degree and teaching special ed. Um, let's see who else. Music DJ. Uh, mm. I love this one. Mom writer combined yoga psychotherapist clinic owner. Oh yeah. That sounds amazing. I like all those things too. See, I'm very vulnerable <laughs> to other people's opinion. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Hold on, what are you? That's how I was in college. I think I want to be an oceanography major. And then I'd march over there and be like, all right. And then I was like, oh, I love my physics class. I think I'm going to be a physics major. And then I march over the <laughs> physics department. Yeah. No, it's like um, travel the world and help people, which I totally mm-hmm. understand. I like that. Um, oh, this is awesome. There's a 52-year-old woman on our page who's going to get her um, degree as a hospice nurse. Mm. That's amazing. Uh, and she's going to, if she did, if money was no object, she would uh, open a home for hospice. Yeah. I like which that. I love that. Hospice was so, I didn't realize how fundamental hospice is to the process when you lose a parent. It's, it's, they, it, they, from top to bottom, they help the family, they help the parent, they help the loved ones. I mean, it was amazing. The yeah. whole family. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of hospice places in Burbank. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, Let's see what else we got. Oh, that's awesome. I would open a center and hold a kids' activities uh, and classes for all abilities. So, you know, it was probably for the uh, disabled, the handicapable. That's awesome. Wow. Um, <laughs> all day, every day, what Renee posted a picture of like a dune buggy car or something. Okay. She does. That's her art. Oh, that's yeah. Her she art. does. She does art. Wow, that's beautiful. Isn't that great? Genealogist. Genealogist. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I think opening like a bed and breakfast on the beach in like South Carolina would be kind of cool too. Trauma emergency room doctor at Boston Children's Hospital and trauma doctor Whoa. surgeon with Doctors Without Borders. That's awesome. Oh, this I love. This is this is amazing. Creating a bed and breakfast run by high functioning autistic Down syndrome young adults yeah. that allows them to work, interact with the public, and have a good sense of work ethic and accomplishment. Wow, I love it. There's a place in Wisconsin when I was on the road. Uh, it's over the border between Illinois and Wisconsin, and it is a farm that um, disabled adults can go. Uh, and basically, they make a wage. They live on the farm, and it's it's like a great center for these these um disabled adults and i think i think it's important for them to have a job and a purpose yeah there's know? places like that there's a place called gaining ground i believe in concord mass that they welcome our disabled community people to come in and, and work like a couple of days a week and they love it and all the anything that comes out of gaining ground goes to homeless shelters that's great yeah well and you know here's something and people have asked me this I think also if I didn't have aspirations of being an actor, I probably would go into politics. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think I would probably follow the family lineage. So I probably would. I probably would do it. I had people ask me if I would ever That's run. That's tough. Talk about getting yelled at. I know, constantly. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> so why do you, so here's my question. Did you, did you not know what you wanted to do from an early age? Never, yeah. 
So you just sort of came to I'm it? I'm like nomadic. I feel like I'm an, I'm, I was born from to the wrong parents. <laughs> <laughs> no, I talked to my mom all morning this morning. We had a good and, conversation. And so she knows that you feel this way? That I was born to the wrong parents? Yeah. No, well, I'm just so different from them. Like, I, I feel like I always want to move. And I don't feel like I'm moving because I'm running away from problems. But, you know, sometimes I do that. I think that. But um, I just get antsy, you know. And I was like, well, I want to go and see Northern California now that I'm here. I don't think I'd up and move there. But I want to go there. You know, I want to go places. And I am always feel like I, when I'm in one job, I'm like, all right, like I like this job a lot. But I want to do the next thing. Like, what's next? And yeah, I'm always excited to do something new, and I didn't ever really feel like I want to settle anywhere. So, so what have your jobs been throughout the years? I found this fascinating. Oh, this is another podcast, Mary. This is <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I started off well. You know, the one thing I think the longest job I ever had was volunteering at the at the hospital in Waltham, Massachusetts, because I got a scholarship to college because I had so many hours there. But um, I found myself always on the floor with the with the hundred year olds you know in the geriatric <laughs> ward because I felt like no one knew they were there no one visited them and they would they'd be there for a long time and I on my break from whatever shift I was at from doing the mail room or whatever I would just go down there and see them and Aww. hang out with them and I felt really connected to the old people there and I had some really good friends that they I dealt with death a lot because you know a lot of them would die obviously um so yeah, I mean, I, I was a candy striper, as, which they called the volunteers back in the day, and I had that penny thing, which is kind of cool. But, it, like, all – I worked as a police dispatcher. I worked in the pickle factory when I was at UMass Amherst. <laughs> I worked as um, – when I was a dispatcher, I got a qualified on a weapon, which I thought was interesting. Did and, you really? Yeah. Why, how do you get qualified on a weapon? So I went through the police academy, like, firing – shooting range and everything like that so i qualified to carry a weapon while i was a police in the well i had it while i was in the police station so you were a police dispatcher is that the same as 911 yeah so you had a gun on you mm-hmm. oh that's really cool well people would come into the police station i mean it was a tiny little podunk town like umass amherst yeah it was tiny so you wanted to be protected they made me oh okay yeah i didn't really have a choice <laughs> i was like oh okay oh that's uh, awesome yeah but I worked uh, like in publishing. I went to the New England Journal of Medicine, and I worked there in publishing. And then I left there and went to Little Brown Publishing in Beacon Hill. Oh, yeah. So I stayed in publishing. All this time, I was going to college. Like I went to – I never stopped going to college. Then from there, I had kids and decided to stay home. But in order to stay home, I had to bring in income. So I started a family daycare center. So Amazing. I got licensed to do that. And I had like four or five kids in my house with my kids. Um, also and then from there um i got my teaching degree (laughs) while at leslie university so i started teaching substitute teaching and teaching and wrote a master's like thesis and everything like that and then from there i started in the summer because you don't you know teach all year i i started a bike tour company in concord massachusetts so i which went crazy like I, I ended up only being able to teach for two years after starting the bike tour company because it took over my life. And I'm I was, sure. I was, and it grew and grew and grew, and I got best of Boston, and I was on TripAdvisor, number one. I think I still am. And I rented bikes, and I started a pedicab company, and it went really, 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 really well, and it was fantastic, and I, I loved 
I loved doing that. And it was, I had employees and I did that for eight years and quit teaching because it just became a big job. Is it still there? No, I sold it to someone, and he was a teacher also, but um, no, no one's doing it. I could go back, actually, and <laughs> take it and do it again. Um, but I had to get approval from the federal government. It was a big process, and I learned a lot, and my kids saw me do that. And I did that all on my own because at that time, my ex-husband was in the military and was in nowhere to be seen. Yeah, he's MIA. Uh, yeah. So he, well, not literally, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, I don't know if I want to use that word. It was a P-O-W, right? Yeah. I don't know if I want to use that. My, my brother's in the military. He's like, Mary, really? What a choice of words. Sorry. So, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't in my, yeah. He's in Vietnam. No. He's back, I think. So, um, so after that, oh, so I became like the executive on the board of directors at Chamber of Commerce, and we started a little Chronicle TV show, and I started um, directing and, and doing like all the TV shows. And we had a cable access TV center in, in Concord, Mass. And I became a producer there, which is all free. And then the station manager was leaving and the executive director was leaving. So I took over the station. Oh my God. And so I, at that point I went to Emerson college. That's why I went back to Emerson and enrolled in their master's program for digital media production. So while I was at cctv in concord running my bike tour company and also running the studio i decided that um i was just going to do the studio because i love 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 it so i learned how to run a studio and do everything soup to nuts when you're the station manager you do everything so it's live broadcasting switching tv you know right right right. so i love 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 doing that and then i thought some weird reason that all those skills i had would transfer very easily to california but and they do. They do, but everybody else here has the same skill set right. as me. Like eight people on my street have the same <laughs> resume as I do. <laughs> so while I was here, I had many, many, many jobs, but I won't, I won't bore you with all those, even though working at Disneyland was kind of fun, and that could be a whole other episode. You worked at Disneyland? I did, yeah. Oh, my God. What did you do at Disneyland? I was a ride operator, and I was a... Uh, <laughs> I was... I was a ride operator, and I was a, um, a parade person. Like, I, I got people, I set up for the parades, and I marched, like, in the back of the parade, make sure, and, like, nobody Amazing. came on the parade. So, yeah. You're a renaissance. That's it, yeah. I've, I've had 10 jobs since I've been here. That's amazing. I mean, that's why, and then you sought me out. So, I mean, what are we yeah. going to do? I mean, I think it's, I, I, I think women out there, I think you can, you know, the other question that this sort of uh, piggybacks with is, uh, do you want to be your own boss or do you want to have a boss? And I do did not. Did you ask that? Or I did. did. Yeah. No, I did. And a lot of people love being their own boss. I'm my own boss, but I got to be honest with you. I like when I teach for somebody else. I like when I can just go in and teach. And I also, I love, love, love going on set and not having to make decisions. Yeah. I mean, I like being a producer too. I'm not going to lie, but it, there's something nice about going and working and, and just doing what you're there right. for. I love a list. Like, I think what I like in all of these jobs is crossing things off a list and getting things done. But I understand and appreciate what you're saying because I love going into a place that is so well organized where they hand you like, this is what this job is and this is what we expect of you. And right. this is, and you just can do it. It's like a recipe, you know? I would love to work for a company that's like that and not, there's like this boundaryless place where it's a free-for-all and yeah I like order and and like 
like you say, just plugging it so in. So do you, do you do you not like taking work home with you? And that 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 saying. I mean, you do work from home. I do too. Yeah. So I haven't done that in so long. But yeah, I would I would ultimately I thought coming out here like oh if I could just get a job as an office manager or even a receptionist at a studio working nine oh. to five where I wouldn't have to take anything home so I could do what I'm like this stuff you know, and not have anything like bleed over and I could podcast and do all that stuff from home. Um, I would love a nine to five job with, with benefits. Yeah. And then you've, you've got stability. Right. And, and then, then I can do whatever else I want to do. Yeah. Cause you've got your, you've got your A, B's and C's. But teaching was hard. Like I understand like the subs, subbing thing is a little different, but yeah, I would take stuff home. Like I, I would, I wouldn't get home till like six, seven o'clock at night. As a teacher. You know, as yeah, a teacher, for sure. Setting my class up for the next day. And you know, it was, it is really hard. It's not an easy job. And people are like, well, you only work like eight eight months. It's not true. No, yeah. you you need you need the three months off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. You need the three months off, and you need every vacation that you, that they get. It's I mean, so different. I think our educational system needs to be revamped in a big, 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 big way because the way we're teaching kids is not the way kids should be taught. Really? Yeah. Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I mean, a loaded <laughs> answer. No, I mean. I think kids need hands-on experiences, and we're not teaching kids how to balance checkbooks, real-life experience. Nobody knows how to apply for a loan. What does that even mean? What's an APR? Like, they're not learning the things that they need to learn to survive. You're talking high school. High school, but early on. Like, there's a program right now. Um, there's a lot of schools that are kind of getting into more of hands-on experience approach and cross-curriculum like learning about history while you're learning about science, like how, like bring it all together, you know, and, yeah. and create an experience where kids actually are becoming it and learning it. Well, when I went to school at Emerson, another Emersonian uh, for theater ed, and I taught to, I was able to learn how to teach the curriculum from a theater perspective. And Ooh. so how do you, uh, Robert Colby over there um, at yeah. Emerson, how do you combine all the mediums, the subjects? How can you teach science from the theater perspective, math, history, English? And so right. I, whenever, you know, I'm asked, that's, I bring youth acting biz, which is my kids program into the school systems. I find that kids really resonate with that. Like they would much sure. rather learn math by getting up and doing it. Right. You know, like, you know, early edition with like second graders, you know, here's five, plus 25, you know, you have five people up and then, you know, you, you show what 25 looks like. Right. I think people really resonate well, with that. Well, yeah. I mean, Gardner wrote the seven different principles of how people learn. It's like tactile, hearing, vision, yeah. you know, like all those different ways that even as adults, like, I was like, oh, I learned these ways. I need to say things out loud. Me I need too. to type things in. I need mm -hmm. to see it, feel it, mm -hmm. hear it. You know, I need that three ways. And if you're up there just teaching things through listening or hearing you're gonna miss a, half your class needs to see it yeah you know like you, you there goes half the class so unless you're coming at it from all different angles and like you said getting up out of your seat and moving around wow I want to be in your class well but there's there's the reason why that I think we're running into a problem is the number of children in classes and yeah. we're trying we're really trying to get as parents are really trying to get those the small those classrooms down. yeah. because that's where that's when you can split off in groups and that's when you can have people talk and, you know, work things out. And that's also where kids can figure out what they want to do. 
Right. You know, it's weird. We have the AEG requirements that my daughter's starting high school next year that I have to look at to see what she needs to have done before she graduates. And I do agree with you. I mean, I when I went to college, I didn't know what a credit card was. Right. You know, I and I got my first credit card and I thought it was free money. Yeah. <laughs> so No, I remember using my debit card thinking it was a credit card and all of a sudden I had zero dollars in my bank account. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this isn't a credit. Yeah. <laughs> but those are the things we need to learn. So I think, you know, you're kind of a renaissance woman. I don't know if you'd be happy in just one gig. Yeah, I don't think I would be. I know I wouldn't be. So I think you answered your own question, don't you think? All right. None of these. <laughs> All of these. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, I don't know. I think now that we're getting... I know that I don't do well with authority and I need to be autonomous. I need right. to be able to come in and come out. Um, I, and I, and I either work really well with people or there are people that I just, I can't, especially if they're condescending, it, I lose my mind. Right. But you've learned to just remove yourself from that. Like, like if you like, listen, we have, a, you and I have a good partnership. We work together. It's equal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like you're, you know, well, this isn't a boss employee type of situation. Right, we're on equal yeah. ground. But but even though if you were my boss, I would have no problem with that. Really? Because I feel like you would respect me and my, like, I re respect you. It's a mutual thing. I feel like I'm a good boss. Yeah. Because I also. But I've had horrible men and women bosses. Horrible across the board. Like, ish. No, so how do you deal with that? Do you? Well, see, we now we're going, we're going back to, do you, do we stand up for <laughs> ourselves from another podcast? I mean, do, how do you deal it's with hard. that? It's hard. It's hard, especially now because uh, I have a boss right now that I don't, I don't need, do I really, I'm asking myself, do I need the $50 on Thursday nights to put up with this or do I stand up to the guy and say, <laughs> I really need this $50 and I don't, stop micromanaging me. You're asking me here to do a job that I'm doing. And let me do it. Yeah. But what, but I can't say that to him because I'm like, oh, whatever, like. Well, but here's the thing. I had a boss when I did special events um, over at a very popular college here. That's all I'm going to say. He was the best boss ever because he didn't micromanage me. But what was weird is I had like a boss liaison. He was my boss, but because of the weird sort of semantics of this office, there was a woman that we worked with that felt like she needed to be a boss as well. And so they gave her this title. So he was my boss for special events and she was my boss for reception because I would, you know, I didn't have enough special events to compensate me not answering the phone. So I would answer the phone. It was good for me too because I had so many calls coming in about events. Mm -hmm. So she was my boss for reception and he was my boss for everything else. The way he handled it was just, just do your job and, you know, I'll know if you're not doing a good job because the events won't be done. It was great. It was so creative. I could do whatever I want. Like I was great. It was the first job I had out here. And then she would micromanage me about everything, how I made coffee, how right. I set up <laughs> cookies, you know, how I, how I, you know, how I answered the phone. I mean, everything. And it's interesting. That's the other thing. Was I, she older or younger than she you? She was older than me. Okay. He was older than me as well, but he was so, I find that I work really well with men and I work really well with um, women who, I work well with women who really know who they are. Right. Or if you're comfortable saying, hey, this is what I'm really good at or I could use help at or, you know, if you see me doing something, you know, allow, give them the boundaries, you know, but 
for her to be all over you about things that had no, yeah, that's just no, thank you. And I don't want to work in that situation. No. And the worst thing was I did this. So in events and I did events in New York too. It was, you know, how I got my start when I was in New York, I was stage managing special events. See, I could tell I you all, I could train you about man- I would stage, love management. The stage manager. I, um, I'm just going to manage everyone's stages. Yeah, exactly. If they want me or not. <laughs> But uh, so anyway, so when I was given this event, I, I did a whole, we did a, off a, a building at this college and we were, we were basically spearheading a new building for design. And so the event was done through marketing and I worked with them and I actually, I'm really good with like budgets, like to make sure. So I got this major fourth floor benefit, uh, I mean event mm-hmm. under 20,000, top wow. to bottom. Yeah. That's wow. great. Yeah. You know, um, that's food and, you know, whatever we needed for, for that. And when I handed her the invoice that the school had to pay, she said, why did you hire this caterer? You should have done this. Oh, boy. And I was like, are, are you, you kidding? kidding? It's done. The doors are closed. The, 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 the building is up and running. A good time was had by all. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. So that's the kind of thing. I hate micromanaging. Yep. I hate. Yep. Um, did you stand up to her or you just said whatever? Um. I, so my part in it was I was super passive aggressive and I really, and I, I tried, but she was such, when you work for in a college environment, administration can get tenured. So she was tenured. And so I just had to, I had to kind of live with it and it just sucked because it was so infuriating because every day she made me feel like dumb. Right. Like, you know, and that's, that to me is not. It's not a great boss. Do you think you could have said, like, looking back, if you what would have happened if you said something to her? At this age, well, here's here's the two things I would have done. Okay. At this age, I would have probably said, I'm done. I don't need to, this job, right? But I, you know, I, I had to leave that job because I started working so much in my field of study, right? Um, I probably would have sat her down. The problem, what I did, and this is the ownership part, is I involved my my lead boss. And I should have just handled her. I, I was an adult. I could have sat down with him and said, and with her and said, you know what? You're going to knock it off. Right. In a nice way. And just say, I really appreciate what you're telling, but you know, let me do this. Right. But she was so afraid that she was going to get crap for what I was doing. But her boss, who was the Dean loved everything I did. Right. So, so she had, so I guess a lot of this is somebody else's insecurities and fear being transferred onto you. Like that's what mm-hmm. a lot of people do, right? And yeah. so I guess, so I'm kind of trying to talk myself into this too. Like, so what is going on right now with this guy is he's trying to run a really good system, but he doesn't really understand how the system works. And I'm talking about live streaming an yeah. event. So I live stream an event. So he doesn't understand the big picture. And I'm, and I understand it probably a little more than he does. And I'm making corrections and changes and he's, stopping me from doing that because he doesn't understand what I'm doing and it's in the middle of our production and we lost audio and like shit happens all the time and I'm just trying to troubleshoot on the fly which I love doing for me that's like oh I love trying to fix things that are breaking down and right right, right. but he won't allow me to do it and it it, the product ends up being like shit it was shit it was a shit show last night and I don't want to take responsibility for it because he wouldn't let me fix it so let me tell you let me ask you this question did you say fifty dollars you're getting for this <laughs> yes so is that fifty dollars worth all that pain in English right so that's so what I'll I- give you the fifty dollars <laughs> so you want the fifty bucks I'll give you fifty because I could have been at home 
working on something yeah. that I could have made $60 on. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm just going to tell him it's not a good fit for me and I'm not going to be able to make Bravo. it. Bravo. See here on But the I feel like I'm, I'm letting him win. So what? You're letting him win? God bless him. Let him let him win. If, is that really in, in your scheme of your life? Well, I'm not allowing him. I'm letting him win powering me. Like, I should be able to stand up and say, David, I would love, I love the event. I would love this. Is fi- David listening to this? I would love this $50. Is this your passive aggressive way of David listening? To- if we could only talk to our people that we're having issues with through podcasts, I would be well, what all a, set. So here's, here's a good point of thing before we leave. Um, here's, here's the thing. What I say to people, cause I also do coaching for actors, you know, kids and adults. If you're not ha- if uh, one of say whenever they if they have trouble with their team or whatever or a director on set or whatever I always say to them make sure that you give them the courtesy and the dignity to let them know what's going on so maybe they can help help along or have the have the point where they can have a solution if you bring it to their attention and they're still dicks or they're still not braid, or you're not able to work together, then get the fuck out. That's right. what I say. Right. <laughs> I don't say it like that. I could say that to you as a friend of mine, yeah. but I, I, it's not worth it because if he's not willing to come and meet you halfway, that fifty dollars turns into five hundred thousand dollars on your brain. Right. And that's. But I should step up, like this woman Felicia, who's like, what he. He won't give me to. He won't allow me to control the lights, and he won't allow me to control the audio. And he forgets to control the lights, and he forgets to control the audio. So the half the time, I'm like, turn on the lights, turn on the lights. I'm telling him from where I am in the booth to turn on the lights, but he just never remembers to. And then he gets all flustered because he's playing in the band. He he plays. So I think so she's like, you need to tell him that what he's doing is not okay, and that if he wants you to run the show, then he should allow you to run the show. But it's not working the way it's working right now. And she's like, why don't you stand up? And she's like, the reason why you're not in the position that you want to be in is because you don't know how to stand up for yourself. And then that made me cry. It's possible. Yeah. But you also, you got to also think of the, the, the personalities. There are certain personalities. Like if I was having trouble with something and I, you know, if with you, I would be able to say, you know what, Sue, I really feel like, can we try this? And I don't think you'd flip out about it. No, I, I think I think we communicate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there are certain personalities that I, there are certain personalities I can't communicate with because I know exactly what I'm going to get. Right. Well, I, I've tried to tell this guy many, 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 many times that I can handle everything and that he shouldn't worry about it, and he just still doesn't. But he might want his. He might need the control. Yeah, he needs the control. That's his. He's a. That's why uh, my big motto, and I think I'm going to make T-shirts. Menopod means delegate. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to, de- you have to delegate. Right. I delegate so all I'm the not, time. I'm going to quit this job. Yes. <laughs> Bravo. Let's hear it. We've had a, we've had a, a transformation. I'm, gonna, I'm just telling him it's not working out. Yep. Well, just, just send him the, 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 the scratch, the scratch of this here. I did a little something. I'm tonight. just going to say, I got a full-time job. There's no way I can do this anymore. Yeah. I, I just lie. No. Tell him what you said. We're going to say it together. This isn't a good fit. Uh, okay, this is not a good fit. It's not working out for me. Done. Okay. And yep. change my phone number. And- <laughs> <laughs> you could do that. I'm going to write a play. Uh, yeah, you and should. you're going to be in it. You can be oh, in it. Oh, I love it. 
Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna go into the witness protector protection protection program. <laughs> How to quit a job? How not to get a job? No, but just just say to him, listen, it's not working out. Yeah, it's not working out. If if you told me he was paying you five hundred dollars a night, <laughs> I'd there. say I'd say, all right, let me come over and I'll help you, and you can buy me dinner. But he's paying you fifty fucking dollars. Sorry, yeah, to sorry. Be there from five to ten. Yeah, stop it. You're making, <laughs> you're making the $10 gas alone to get you're to making $10 an hour. You're making under minimum wage here in the state of California. You're, no, I'm going to call him up and say, she's done. This is Sue Merlino's manager. She's done. She's done. She's not working for these wages anymore. All right. Don't call us. Bye. Click. I would do that. Cause I, I can't, I can't let you do it anymore. I can't. I, 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 here we are here on the menopod. We stand up for a friend. She's going to block my car. I'm going to block you. Yes, I'm going to say, no, you're going to block you in. I'm going to, I'm going to block you in like it's stop and shop when we need to get bread and milk. I'm going to wicked pack my car. Smart pocket. Smart pocket. I'm going to smart pocket. Uh, <laughs> did you pocket in Georgia? She packed it. Um, anyway, well, listen, I do have to run to a nail appointment. <laughs> I'm doing self care. Oh, so, uh, I have to, I have to run, but you all have been listening to menopod. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> this is Sue Merlino. Mary Kennedy. So funny. Just set up the scratch track.